Support for the Animation Podcast comes from AnimationMentor.com, the online animation school. Sign up for their free monthly newsletter containing student profiles, animation tips, and access to this year's upcoming Animation Mentor exclusive animation podcast at AnimationMentor.com. Hey everybody, this is Clay Cadis. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Animation Podcast. If this is your first time listening, you've got a great bunch of past shows to check out, but this one is a fine place to start. James Baxter is one of the most respected animators working today. Bell, Rafiki, Moses, and Spirit are just a few of the characters he's animated, and his most recent animation can be seen in the film Enchanted. A lot of this show was originally on the end of part one of the interview, but I felt like there was so much valuable information here that it should be digested all in one show. So here is the technical section of the program where James goes into depth about planning and acting for animation. And just like The Illusion of Life is a book that reveals more with each reading, I think this show will be one of those that might take a few listens just for it all to sink in. I hope you get as big a kick out of it as I do, so here's part two of my interview with James Baxter. But those guys were planning, you know, you can see it in the work. There's so much planning involved. That's why I said Milton, he's like a couple of steps ahead when he's doing a drawing. Because it's part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his, uh, you see his thumbnails for shots. And, yeah. uh, like, uh, really kind of mundane shots. But he's yeah. explored every single pose for, yeah. like, you know, um, Robin Hood, like, yeah. stirring the pot or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I mean, there's a place to be intuitive and to, to feel it out. Absolutely, when you're first roughing something out, mm-hmm. and we could start talking about just the animation process if you want, but sure. there's, you know, there has to be a balance between just completely making it up as you go along, and having a plan of where you're going with a shot. Um, I think the best work comes out of a, out of a combination of both, you know, because the the intuitive part of just flipping something and rolling it and going and experimenting with it. You know, I think it's important at the beginning of the process, you know, when you're just right in that first half hour of of starting on a shot and you're, you know, sorting out ideas and, you know, figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't just sit there and visualize an entire shot without doing anything and then just draw it. There has to be some kind of exploration. And things happen along the way. Happy accidents, not so happy accidents. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which you have to be able to roll with and take into account, and 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 go. Oh, that's a surprising. I could use that. I'll do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's a new thing that I could use to strengthen this shot. Um, yeah. So I think it has to be a combination. But yeah, I mean, you you do have to. I think to do the best work, have some some kind of plan. Yeah. And in planning, you don't like use a mirror or video yourself or anything like that. I don't use a mirror, no. Yeah, because I think it ends up looking too much like me. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there's only certain things my face will do. Yeah, right. And if I started looking at that, you know, I think you know it would come out too much like me Mm -hmm. and not like the character. Do you do a lot of thumbnailing? No, I do it big on the paper because I like to see the relationship between the drawings. I like to see them on top of each other. Mm I mean, I do planning drawings. You know, they're usually pretty scribbly. I will thumbnail something if it has a real physical challenge to it. If there's a certain kind of action which has to be animated, which you have to present in just such the right way in order for it to read, I'll start doing little drawings to just to get the right pose. So how am I going to get this piece of action to read properly? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, something complicated physical, you know, to do. 
and I'll start doing little staging drawings to try and figure out what's the best way to show that. Um, otherwise, no, I like to do my first drawings at the right size on, on the paper so I can see the relationship between them because it's as much about the, the change between the poses, how much change is happening that communicates the emotion mm-hmm. you know, as well as the pose itself. So that's what I like to do. Do you, uh, in terms of timing, do you use your X sheet in the early stages, or do you just kind of do the drawings that are completing the action and then time it later, or are you already thinking in your head like this is this frame, this is that frame? Uh, normally, I I try and um, sometimes I'll blast through something and and not pay much attention to the numbers, and then quickly backtrack and go. I better start thinking about what time I've got here, mm-hmm. because that's the other danger of doing something without thinking about the frames is that you might start packing in too much stuff into a shot which you don't really have time for mm-hmm. but yeah normally I will get in there very quickly and uh, start slapping in some numbers on there and use the X sheet and start little, making little marks on the X sheet yeah so I, I, the thumbnails I do or well, not the thumbnails but the first drawings are usually really scribbly and um, usually just so show basic direction and attitude I guess and as usually as I go on in a, in a feature film at least um, I'll start to develop a shorthand for the character, you know, which is usually like some s- circles and shapes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and stuff, which are pretty scribbly. I might indicate some rough hair if if it makes the character at least look like the right shape on the paper, not really plan out where the hair is going to be. Um, yeah, because, you know, I do follow through best straight ahead. So, yeah, my first drawings are usually very scribbly, and uh, usually just in, in red or blue pencil, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put some numbers on it very quickly. Uh, I'll shoot it. If I need to change numbers at that point, I will. Um, but when I shoot stuff, I'm always very aware of the shift that can happen in keys. You know, if you want to m- make a certain pose read, you might have to put it on a little early, but in actual fact it's going to end up a few frames later because you're going to need that slow in. Yeah, that's, I'm very aware of that. That's something that uh, confuses a lot of people. Right from the get-go. Early animators. Yeah, if, animators. if you're just in there, uh, you're shooting drawings and your drawings are on fours and eights and, and twelves and stuff like that, and you're shooting it and you're playing with the timing on you know some kind of uh, pencil test system, and uh, you then take those frames that those drawings are on and try and stick to them, it's not going to work. Because anything that you're slowing into, you know, is going to end up being way too early. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've to think about the drawing that, that you're on as almost being like the last frame of its hold rather than the first. Right. And then Usually to- closer to the last frame of its hold. So you're spending that time to slow into it and get into it. And all those drawings, when you're really tight, slowing into it, are basically the same drawing. So it's going to read as the same thing, as the same moment. Mm-hmm. So that's you know why it's going to end up being shifted later. Right. And then you know obviously you might need some time to slow out of it or whatever. And that's if you know if you're thinking about it in, t- in those terms, you know there might be a certain amount of shifting that has to go on. I'm usually very aware of that right from the get-go when I'm shooting something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually something that finally clicked over in my head like four years ago. I was like, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> like I finally understand. I need time to get in and I need time to get out, and that's yeah. where it and it's going to be basically the same drawing when you're yeah. in there. So it's, it's that window that you're trying to control. Yeah, that window of kind of the same pose. Right. 
and in like in you know. like CG, I'll I'll put the key on like frame fifteen, and then mm-hmm. again on twenty six, mm-hmm. and then whatever. Just right, that's tweak a 15, that's a common CG method. You know. Copy your keys, yeah. and then you know, so you're you've got that window mm-hmm. of the pose, and then you can start playing with it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like the drawings and stuff, and, and breaking down, like at what point do you shoot? Like, how, how much is enough information? Yeah, it's usually pretty. L- it's very little information for me, uh, and sometimes it's a test that I can't really show to a director <laughs> unless they've known me for a long time uh-huh. and we've worked on a film for a while. Some of these rough tests are so scribbly that it's that they have to be comfortable enough to know that it's going to be okay mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's done for me to show it to them. Um, so usually at the beginning of a film, I'll go a little further with a first test that I will show to a director. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, there's just like little crappy scribbles, you know, just to show the intent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, there's oh, airplanes. That's airplane. Airplanes. That's now. a new one. Dive bombers. Okay. Jim Hall will be very excited. He would be very excited. <laughs> Ooh, what's that? I'm going to run out. Um, yeah, that's like the first stage for me. And, and really jumping into a scene at those early stages... Uh, again, for me, is it, it's that intuitive part. It's the, it's the part I cannot have any distractions for. There's no music. There's no <laughs> nothing on. That's when the door is closed. Mm-hmm. That's when there might be jumping around the room going on. <laughs> That's when, you know, it's that part where you're, you know, doing the acting, you know, the internal acting part where uh, and you're, I'm doing that first scribble test, you know, which is really the, the meat of the, process you know like the the thing on which everything everything else has to hang Mm -hmm. and we can talk about that more in a little bit but then after that um the tie down process is is slightly different for me it's it's all it's about maintaining that that first pass you know making sure that everything is maintained and strengthened uh but it's also about this this structuring that happens at that point that's the point where you go, okay, make sure I, I really do know which drawing this key is supposed to be on. How is his body going to move between these two? How is his body going to move through this key if it has to? You know, is the spacing going to work as, you know, I'll look at every part of the body and, and go, how is that going to move for this to be this emotional statement? <laughs> you know, and in in doing that, and at the same time doing that, I'm looking for nice drawings. I can do better drawings when I'm animating than I can when I'm drawing model sheets, mm-hmm. usually. Because, or more interesting drawings. Uh, because often the movement will dictate the drawing to me. You know, if I'm thinking, oh, I've got to have this arm come around in perspective, and I'll just, it's got to be there, because that's where it's going to look cool. And the drawing will do itself, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Because <laughs> I can start out doing a drawing and, and not really have a complete idea of what it's going to look like, and then when it's it's done, you go, oh, that's kind of a cool looking drawing. But when I'm doing those drawings, I'm 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 looking for I'm searching out the path of action in the drawing. It's not like I'm doing things randomly, it's like oh, I'll put a hand there because it's got to be there. I'll put a foot there. But I, when I'm doing that process, I'm looking for and this is something I learned very early from Andreas, looking for that nice silhouette or looking for the the strong statement making sure that the sleeve flows into the back or looking for that descriptive line, you know, looking for the balance between the shapes. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, looking for all those drawing things, you know, or action things that'll, that'll make it feel comfortable on the screen or feel right when you look at it. It won't feel awkward. You know, it'll uh, it'll look balanced. You know, the shape looks like it has some speed if it's moving fast. All those things, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be doing while I'm doing those drawings. <clears throat> just so we're clear, just tying down, this your, is the your, tie down. your rough scribbles. Yeah. So at the beginning of the movie, the scribbles will usually be so rough and exploratory that I'll have to take a new sheet of paper and, and uh, here comes the RAF again. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when the, when the rough is so rough at the beginning of a film, I will um, take a new sheet of paper and put it over and, and do my final drawing on it, you know, go over again with the color and then go over that again with graphite. Mm-hmm. Um, usually towards, you know, as I get more comfortable with a character, I can just dive into the scribbles and just go straight over them in graphite. So that's, you know, and that's my method. But even when I'm doing those drawings, I'm thinking about the in-betweens. Or in-between is a bad word, right? It's not, because they're not really in-betweens. They're just other drawings <laughs> to make the scene work. You know, um, but I'm thinking about the other drawings that are in there. So I get these things in the right place. So when I do break it down, they're already in the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm constantly thinking about the path of where something has been or where it's going and what shape it should take on the way. You know, when I'm doing those keys. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're talking about like the body and, and changing the body for the, the, where it's going or whatever. Uh, is, are you adding breakdowns or just really pushing your key poses? Or do you really consider them breakdowns or are they just more... Well, there'll usually be some kind of scribbly breakdown in there mm-hmm. from the scribble test. I mean, the the scribble, that first scribble usually ends up being on sort of eights. And if it's like quick action, it'll be on twos. I will have sort of done it kind of straight ahead. If it's like somebody, you know jumping up from a table and running over to a door, I probably will have done that straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Even in straight ahead actions like that, though, I often will plan out a little sort of target drawing. Like I'll do some kind of drawing of the the character by the door to aim at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be the exactly the right drawing. I'll take my best guess at it. I might look at the floor and go, what would be best for left, right, left, up to the door, and think he'll probably be probably be on his left foot, <laughs> you know, reaching for the door. And I'll do a drawing, you know, a scribbly drawing like that. So, uh, you know, it's just a way to control volume and, and, uh, and form and stuff mm-hmm. as you do a bit of uh, straight-ahead action. And then I'll animate him sort of straight ahead up to that. If, if I have a really clear idea of, of oh, there's, there's like an action pose I want to hit during this action. Like there's some kind of stretch thing that happens as the character's foot comes off the chair and he's leaping over something. If there's some sort of idea that I've got about exactly how that is going to work, um, I'll sketch that out first and, and maybe do sort of like minor targets to get through it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like fast physical action like that will be done straight ahead on twos usually I think better on twos I find it hard to go straight ahead on ones and have it feel the way I wanted it to but that's the way I think in straight ahead is on twos Do you, would you say necessarily that an action like what we're talking about jumping up would it be on ones in the end yeah 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 okay just making yeah. sure <laughs> yeah but I will usually animate it on twos and then in between it okay 
And then uh, in this whole process of tying down stuff, this is like basically your last pass, right? Except yeah. for the overlap. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, you know, I will take a guess at a piece of overlap. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing keys, I'll maybe like take a guess at where a cloak or a tail or a, you know, hair is gonna be, because also an overlap is difficult. Uh, or rather, it's easy to animate yourself uh, into a ugly little corner. <laughs> yeah. So if you're trying to make a character look nice with some sort of graphic statement to it, with some hair or or drapery or something, um, it can be uh, easy to get go down some sort of follow through straight ahead path, which makes it look really ugly yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the end. So sometimes I'll do a, like a I'll try, try and do it in my head a little bit, like a okay, that's going to flap through here, and if I do that, it's going to make it look nice when it gets to here, and I'll kind of maybe try sketching it in on the key to at least give myself a you know, a little push towards the right direction graphically, mm-hmm. you know, and then go through and do it straight ahead so the spacing's really right. But that's what I love about doing the hand-drawn stuff is you can cheat stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's harder in CG when they've got the dynamics going on drapery and yeah. like that for you to do an image which looks balanced and not just a simulation, mm-hmm. you know, of an image. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I, I found it hardest to give up, I think, when I did CG. was like, oh, really? I don't get to do the hair? All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, when we, like, on Chicken Little, when we started, it was like, you know, we were doing the combs and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And we all wanted that control. And yeah. by the end, we were like, can't we just give that to someone else to yeah. press the button? But yeah. yeah. No, I think and, dynamics is great for, you know, certain situations. Obviously, when you want something to look super real or you're doing something in visual effects, you know, not character animation yeah. so much. If you're doing something in visual effects where it's got to look totally real, you've got to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to do it as a simulation. You, sh- you can't, an- you just can't animate it that realistically. Yeah. You know. Well, when you, uh, I remember you would talk about timing and spacing to people, and you would kind of draw like time is across the bottom, and the the values are like this, and you're basically drawing like a, a yeah, cur- I was drawing like a, a motion curve, curve. Yeah, yeah, I was drawing a curve editor, yeah, and yeah. it was like before. That's why it was so easy for me to translate. Yeah, I was going to ask, but it was, it was probably pretty easy, yeah. Oh, it was totally easy. Yeah, it was completely easy because you're always thinking. I, about- d- I, I had no ability to use a computer whatsoever, and I still can't type. Uh-huh. But. I just needed someone to go, can you show me which buttons to press to make this do what I wanted to do? And that took about a week, you know, to show me where the controls are and how to access them. Mm-hmm. But the process of doing it was was already similar to my own, which was sort of a, a pose and layering process, mm-hmm. you know, because I suppose you could call my key poses and then the, the partial drawings the layering, you know, process of yeah. that. So... It was kind of the same method, really. Mm-hmm. And was it difficult to uh, animate all in ones? Uh, or, yeah, or a drag, or so. sometimes you don't want it? or <laughs> <laughs> um, Not so much. The, the hardest part was not being able to control the character. The hardest part was being at the mercy of the rig. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. You know, like, I can't get this person to reach the top of their head. Their arm won't reach. <laughs> you know what am I going to do? Yeah, it's like I can't make this look good, no matter what I do, and that's frustrating. You know, because you want to be able to create an image from scratch, which looks good that you have control over. And when you, when I didn't have that control anymore, it's like, oh man. Uh, but you know, thankfully, rigs are getting better and, and mm-hmm. all the time, and you know, you can do things now that you, you couldn't even five years ago when I was doing it. Right. 
I found um, doing CG to be very valuable. Yeah. Um, even though I stopped doing it because I just enjoy the process of animating with a pencil. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really not out on any mission to save uh, hand-drawn animation in any way. I just like doing it. You know, I just have more fun when I'm doing it. And that was really the only thing that was sort of behind my decision to stop doing the CG and start doing my own hand-drawn stuff. Um, was because I just had more fun, you know, when I was a- animating. Um, it's not that CG was awful to do, you know. It just wasn't... I didn't feel as creative mm-hmm. when I was doing it. Yeah. And do you do, you do uh, drawing outside of animation? Are you like a sketcher? Or oh, I'm like not, that? no. Yeah. yeah, me either. Even when I was at art school, I mean... It's so weird because I I love drawing, I love creating drawings, always have, but I I never liked the the expectation. I suppose in any kind of education, like you've got to do it this way. And so even when I was at art school and said, okay, we need to see your sketchbooks, it's like, oh, really? I've got to like make up a sketchbook so you can see it. Okay, so yeah, you know, I spend a week like making up some bullshit sketchbook, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but no, I'm not a sketchbook keeper. Uh-huh. I, I'm quite impressed by people who are, you know. Yeah. You know, there are certain people that I I love looking at their sketchbooks. I was just know. wondering because, like, for me, I I'm not totally into drawing, you know, uh-huh. on the outside of yeah. work. But um, now that I've been doing CG for like four years or whatever, yeah. I, I really miss 2D right. animation. It's so mm-hmm. weird. I hated it when I was doing it because it's so frustrating. Uh-huh. But now that I'm not doing it, it's like there uh, is something more fun yeah. about it. I was always into just the trickery of the the uh, the animation process. I was just into the magic trick rather than the drawing itself. Mm-hmm. The drawing is for me it was as a means to an end. It was like a you know I just love being able to do that trick. <laughs> <laughs> you know so. Um, yeah, what was I trying to say? It's it's like um, I was into special effects a lot as a kid too. You know, I was a Star Wars kid. I saw mm-hmm. Star Wars when I was ten, and uh, thereafter was constantly you know making up you know little special effects tricks and models and building little puppets and just making a complete mess in my room <laughs> with rubber and plaster and. And stuff, and doing all of that stuff too, and and it was a, it was actually a conscious decision for me, at about age seventeen, eighteen, to go, do I want to go work at Industrial Light and Magic, or you know, obviously, do I want to go work in special effects, mm-hmm. or do I want to try doing hand drawn cartoon animation? Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was yeah, it was, was going to be it like was the actual kind of crossroads which I had to face uh-huh. at that point. So I still enjoy, you know, the effects process and and just putting visual trickery on film. I love that whole aspect of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, drawing was not the most paramount thing to me. It was it was doing some kind of trick photography, and animation is some kind of trick photography. Mm-hmm. You know, is um, your planning for CG the same as two D? I mean, do you just kind of go start in the computer, start blocking stuff yeah. out? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to thumbnail some stuff in a computer, but it was a dead end because I couldn't make the model do what my drawing was doing. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I found that I do it sometimes. I'll block stuff out mm-hmm. on the screen and then try to match it. But actually, I think it makes my poses better because I'm trying to at least get close to what mm-hmm. my drawing is doing. Yeah. But um, I think for the most part, people will just accept what the rig is giving them, and it's so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, like I say, fortunately, rigs are getting better. Yeah, they are. You know, and so I think you, I think the kind of the... 
I don't know, traditional influence on rigging is is getting better and better yeah, and, and it'll stronger. Keep, it'll keep getting better, yeah, which is good. Yeah, so I think in a few years it'll be actually pretty fun. Oh and yeah, it's still frustrating, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, for some people, I think some people think it's just the most fun they've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not one of them. Um, I would still go back and do some of it, you know, if I felt like it was completely the right project to do, or you know, it looked like a lot of fun, or you know, I felt like the technology had progressed enough to, for me to have more fun with it yeah you know sorry the question i'm not a cg hater at all i actually love some of the best stuff that's been done in cg so what's that oh like incredibles or yeah. you know something like that yeah you know yeah love that movie it's great we talk about acting if you want sure i'd love to yeah, let's talk <laughs> let's, about acting let's talk about acting just to show that i actually do think about it <laughs> well i mean uh, <laughs> I was going to actually, I had a question here about Jack Lemmon because oh, yeah, yeah, uh, he's like an animation favorite. And I, I, I'm, he's like my favorite. Yeah. Uh, probably because you were talking about him with the apartment and stuff years ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the more I see him, the more he is just an animated. He's so direct, like his, his yeah, actions. And, that's what I found too. I mean, I don't know if you could call it overacting or not, but, but uh, his, his style in a lot of those earlier films, um, like you say, is so direct. And uh, his pantomime is so good, and it communicates so well. Uh, and he's almost pose to pose sometimes in his uh, in his movements. Um, and he does he's like just, these like Milt Collish gestures. Yeah, in his yeah, hands. he's just perfect to watch uh, as someone who, if you animated that, it would still work yeah. because it's so clear and it's not bogged down in any other sort of extra extraneous sort of movement and stuff. So I like that's one of the reasons I like to watch him because he's such a great communicator. Um, in terms of his, you know, opposing, you can watch Jack Lemmon with the sound off, and it makes total sense mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Um, the other thing I like to watch is ballet, a lot. Um, I don't know if that shows in my work, but I do, uh, because that's also um, edited movement. You know, it's movement which the artist has has already taken out extraneous parts and you can see the movement for what it is you know they've controlled it and uh, are presenting it to you as an emotional statement you know and i just i love watching anything move i'm just fascinated by you know i watch sports which which i'm not into in terms of of the game <laughs> but i'll sometimes watch them just in terms of the kinetic thrill uh-huh. that it is to watch people move i know that's kind of weird Huh. <laughs> <laughs> not for an animator, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same reason I like to watch dance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 uh, it's thrilling to for me to watch people move. I love watching gymnastics. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's re- a refined performance. Yeah, I find it very thrilling to watch what people can do with their bodies and and how that and how that works. You know, uh, so those are those are a lot of the live action influences on me. Um, the Odd Couple is a great one to watch, you know, um, specifically because it's two guys who are essentially, if you want to talk about it in CG terms, it's essentially two guys with the same rig, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. But they move and act in totally different ways. Yeah. You know, Walter Matto and Jack Lemmon are both average human men with the same bones and, you know, structure. Uh, but the way that they move is, is so indicative of their character in that film is such a beautiful character study on their part. I mean, if you can look at it and um, really see what, see what actors 
are talking about when they're talking about their center and how they're controlling things. And you can see that Lemon is moving uh, sort of much more controlled by the st- sort of staccato movements of his head. And he's all up in here. He's, he's neurotic and everything is sort of being... He's leading with his head and it's sharp and it's uh, staccato and, um, and his back is stiff. You know, and he's you know, and he's moving in this very um, nervous and st- st- stiff way because uh, you know uh, Felix is <laughs> neurotic and and control freak and and uh, and that kind of character, and it's, it's a beautiful study, you know, by Lemon. Uh, you'll see him do, do it all over the film. He'll anything that he touches, he has to neat make it neat. <laughs> you know, he'll take a napkin and and just fold it for no reason whatsoever. But that's who he is. He mm-hmm. has to do it. And Matau is slouched, and his back is curved, and you watch him, and he's just constantly, just kind of, basically wobbling, like he's half drunk. He just kind of like wobbles around in a sort of slouchy way, and his movements and his gestures are loose, and you can feel his wrists being loose when he points at something. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this, I'm doing all this right <laughs> now. It's much more fascinating, but. You know, it's just a beautiful uh, contrast between the two. You can kind of see the, you know, uh, Felix's uh, desires and 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 his drives come, you know, intellectually and 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 Oscar's, uh, you know, it's coming. He, his whole character is based in his stomach. You know, you can almost feel him moving around from his loins and his stomach. You know, he's a libertine. He's a he's a guy who's led by his desires. You know, in that way, and it's so beautiful to be able to watch that and what actors do with that. And I guess that, you know, that leads well into, you know, talking about acting and animation and how I feel about it. And, uh, you know, f- obviously it's the most important part of what you're doing. All the sort of technical stuff that you have to have at your fingertips is really just the, the tools to get it on the screen. Uh, and I think you have to have them in order to make the audience forget that they're watching a bunch of drawings or uh, an animated CG character. You know, you've got to have those tools so the audience can leap ahead and get into the character. If you start doing stuff which is just so wrong, technically it's going to take them out of it. So you've got to have that. But it's really a means to an end to portraying the character. And I think a- animated actors are you know, doing animation, character animation, and, and quote-unquote being an, an actor... It's a really hard thing to do because it's you have to be able to understand what it is that a live action actor does, um, but you're not actually doing it yourself. Um, it's different from being an actual live actor because you're not doing it with your own body. There's you know acting method, you know the method acting, mm-hmm. which you can't actually you can't actually be a method animator in the sense that you can't. Um, be in the emotional moment for the entire week that it takes you to animate something. You can't be crying while you're animating. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you get the paper wet. Yeah. You've got to um, understand what it is. You've got to be able to do that process internally at the start of the process and then be able to describe it for the rest of the week. So in terms of being an actor as an animator you do have to be able to do this this thing internally where you can do something from the gut. You know, my my perfect animator lies in the center of a triangle whose whose points are Milt, Carl, 
and Frank Thomas and and Ward Kimball. You know, so somewhere in there, because they all have these great things about them, which the others, well, at least don't, but don't have in such measure. Milt's, you know, in, in, incredible draftsmanship, control, um, and his sense of being able to um, communicate with a pose, what he wants in the scene. Uh, Frank's animation from the gut, Frank's passion, Frank's struggle and search to find the unique way that any character will do something, which is totally different from any other character. He will search for the unique acting pattern that that character does that's, that's from the gut, his, um, his acting, basically. And Ward's sense of animation's uh, possibilities. You know, it's what it can do that live action doesn't do. You know, it's its sense of absurdity and abstract and, you know, cartooniness. You yeah. know, that's Ward's gift. And if you have, you know, all those, I mean, maybe you just self-destruct because <laughs> you were so, like, complete, I don't know. But <laughs> but if you, you know, that's that's kind of the perfect animator sits in the middle of those three guys for me. Yeah. Um, but I, it's really interesting to, to talk about Frank and, and his um, approach to acting and... and he was sort of following on the footsteps of Titler in that sense that, you know, you, this is a serious business and you're, and you're a serious performer, you know, and you can make these characters do real things from the heart, you know. And uh, I love Frank's approach, you know, to acting, like really getting into the character and taking it, and getting himself into the right emotional state to perform that. It's a really hard trick to do and that's when you're, I have to have the door closed and, and do that stuff where you're, where you're acting stuff out. Acting stuff out can be good and it can be misleading because uh, it can be good because if you get yourself into the right emotional state, into the moment, so to speak, <laughs> of the character and you get up and you try acting something out, you can be- get something very honest and you want to be able to try and capture that. The, the scary side of that is you're doing it with your body and not with your character's body. And your character might be totally different from you. They might be a mouse, a horse, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. They could be all sorts of things. So you have to be able to do something um, in character, physically. So usually my best work happens when I sort of act it, sort of half act it out. You know, it'll be mostly internal, but I'll sort of start doing it physically. I'll usually still be sitting down. <laughs> Um, but I'll start sort of doing something physically just to see how the pattern uh, feels and if it's and if it's right emotionally. And uh, the, I guess the trick in in character animation is to be able to get into that spontaneous place where you can come up with a unique piece of acting for a character. You're not relying on the same old hand gestures or the same old head tilts, <clears throat> uh, but you've come up with something that you know really feels from the gut from the heart of like the truth because that's what you're searching for is the truth of what this character is doing so you, you getting yourself into that um, that state where you can act something out either completely or you know in your head that describes that truth and is unique and the trick is like being able to then capture that quickly and go okay what was that what did I do I mean, exactly what did I do? Because there's a difference between a head shake that goes from here to here and a little one that just, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try when I'm acting stuff out or thinking stuff through 
to be sort of recording it a little bit, sort of in the back of my brain, take a little part which is not emotional and just, what am I doing? What am I doing physically? Because I've got to spend the next week putting this on paper for it to look like what I emotionally am imagining, you know, at this point. So that that's probably the hardest part, I think, is to be able to capture that lightning in a bottle, you know, to be able to take that moment of inspiration and for the next week or two weeks maintain that spontaneity. And do you take notes or anything while you're doing this? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You draw thumbnails or... Sometimes. Yeah. Like as you're standing <coughs> there or whatever, just kind of reach yeah. out and... Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I very rarely get up anymore uh-huh. and do it. It'll usually be half internal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as you're going through it, you might find there's other things that crop up, you know, that sort of intuitive thing as you're scribbling it down. And sometimes I will back up a bit and go, oh, oh, that might be better, or, or that, that's actually working for this character better physically to do it that way. You know, and I might even go back to acting it out again, mm-hmm. and re- re-examine. And how do you, over the course of a week or so, <coughs> remember all these things you've hit in the acting? Um, sometimes if it's, if it's a long scene, I'll actually split it up. I'll, oh. actu- I'll actually not act out the whole scene at once and just rely on my good judgment <laughs> during, the, during the next phases to, to, to realize if I'm doing too much or too little in mm-hmm. one particular part of the scene. Literally, if it's like a 20 or 30 foot scene, <coughs> you, I can't act out the entire thing all at once and have it be exactly what I want. Yeah. It's got to come in chunks. And then I've just got to rely on my good taste to realize how those chunks are going to fit together properly and, and tastefully and, and with enough rhythm, you know, so that I'm not overdoing it through the whole thing mm-hmm. or, you know, I've got enough um, texture in the scene, enough quiet, enough loud moments, you know. Yeah. I, I've actually, <coughs> like, uh, I have some work now that... I, I know it's coming, but I don't want to act it out now because I don't want to, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, blow the wad. <laughs> yeah, know? right, right. you got to hold on and wait until you're spontaneous because mm-hmm. you keep doing it over and over again and you, you just lose it eventually, I think. it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's it's harder to understand what a stage actor does where they, like, every night do the same thing. and it's Yeah, that's got to be hard. It seems very different from what we do. But it's in a way, it's a hybrid of, yeah. of a stage actor and, a, yeah. I don't know, a street actor. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different schools of acting, you know, but there's sort of basically this idea that you're either concentrating on results or you're concentrating on on preparation and letting the results come naturally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, method is is all about getting yourself into the right emotional state and not concentrating on the results, what, what you're actually going to do, but being so, quote-unquote, in the moment that you will just do it and it'll be right because you're feeling right, you know. You've got to know the lines, <laughs> you know. You've got to know them really well so that you don't have to think too much about them. The flip side of that is the, is the more sort of, um, you know, Royal College of Drama, sort of uh, Shakespearean acting thing, which is a little more concentrated on, on uh, results, like how you pose, you know, how you act when you're proud and how you act when you're sad and your speaking voice and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the best actors actually have all of those things at their fingertips. Yeah. Someone to me like Ian McKellen, you know, has a whole range of tools at his disposal for any situation, you yeah. know, where he can use his classical training 
and impose upon that, you know, an emotional state of mind that comes from the heart. You know, he can do all that stuff and, and consequently create very powerful characters. Have you taken acting classes? No, or? no, I'm too scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I also... I mean, if if uh, if an animator wants to go do an improv class, if he feels it would help, I encu- I would encourage it. F- if, if an animator does not want to do an improv class, I would never make one do one, because it's not essential. You know, the key is understanding what these people do, not being able to do it with your own body, mm-hmm. because we don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. you might be like the shyest guy on the planet but just being the most incredible animator because you can do it internally I always you, think of like uh, Ruben Aquino and right, like Ursula. Ruben I mean he's <laughs> he's an amazing animator and does things with his character like I mean, come on look at like Ursula yeah. it's amazing you know but it's not Ruben yeah. and Ruben would just look so uncomfortable out of place if you tried to make him do a do a an improv as Ursula it would be just be uh, you know be yeah. unnecessary yeah did you ever talk to like Frank about his acting? No, I, I only or? met Frank um, much, you know, later, mm-hmm. you know, in life, and and didn't really get a chance to, um, you know, when he when he was with it enough to really um, explain that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just glean what I can from what other people have said about him and books and you know, cane makers, you know, observations of him and and. Uh, you know, and other people that have talked to him, um, really about what he was up to. That concludes part two of my interview with James Baxter. We'll conclude the interview on the next podcast. Feel free to stop by the site and leave a message at animationpodcast.com. I always look forward to hearing from you guys. And I want to thank our sponsor, animationmentor.com, the online animation school. Go to their website at animationmentor.com and sign up for their monthly newsletter so you're sure not to miss out on news of my exclusive podcast for them this year. That's all for show 24, so until next time, thanks for tuning in.